We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 3. We're giving highlights. We're giving highlights of the books of the Bible, okay? So we're going to take one service tonight. We're going to cover the entire book of 1 Kings. Now, this is a nugget for you that's going to help you, all right? This is going to be a blessing to you, so I want you to get ready for this, all right? This is a law of Bible study, okay? Get ready for this. You might want to write it down. First Kings always precedes Second Kings, okay? Well, that's a law of Bible study, and it carries throughout the Bible. For instance, First John, and then Second John, and then Third John. You never find Third John first, okay? That's just a law of Bible study. Write that down. Nathan Larson is stunned at the wisdom that just poured forth there. And uh, help folks find seats if we need to, guys, and, and make sure there everybody gets in comfortable. For, uh, First Kings, all right, the book of First Kings. First Kings in chapter number three is where we're going to be. First Kings chapter and number three, okay? I'll give you a second just to get there. First Kings chapter three. Look with me. First Kings chapter three. And verse number one. Here we go. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now, that's just a handful of verses, but we're going to use those verses to tie us in to what we're going to conclude tonight from the book of 1 Kings. Now, when, when, when the book opens... In the first chapter, David is old, okay? The Bible says he's well stricken in years, and quite frankly, he's in failing health. And that's something that happens to all of us probably at some point or another. At the end of our journey, things begin to break down, and sure enough, even with David, the man of God, the king of God's own heart, that began to happen to him. The heir apparent to David was going to be Solomon. That almost seems natural, does it not? He's the heir apparent. David the king, Solomon the son, and, and uh, uh, it seems as though uh, Solomon will be the natural one. He was, he was the one that was chosen uh, to uh, succeed David on the throne. I think it's interesting and important that we note that Solomon was the son of Bathsheba. And so... We know the story of, of Solomon and, and uh, his birth and, and um, his mother and the tragedy that scandalized the kingdom and uh, brought reproach upon David's name and David's family, the fourfold judgment of God that ended up with his, his darling son Absalom hanging from a battlefield tree with a, th heart, with, with a, a, a dart thrust through his heart. And David walked and ascended the stairways uh, up into his room. And as he went, he wept, O Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God, I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. And so there's a lot of drama, a lot of drama, a lot of victories, a lot of great high moments, a lot of wonderful things. And then there's a lot of failures and 
drama that's crammed into the life of this man David that we find, we find dying here in the first chapter of this book as we open it. On his deathbed, David decides that it's time for him to give a charge to his son Solomon. And so in chapter 2, if you'll jump back there in chapter 2, he's going to do just that. And I think it would be good for us to, to look at that charge. So chapter 2, 1 Kings, verse 2, David says, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Now, I want to say this to you. That's excellent advice, is it not? I mean, that's really good advice. Here's a dad. He's going to die. His son will ascend the throne and assume the leadership when he's gone. And he says to his son, look, I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, bud, but, but, but you be strong. Show thyself a man. Step up to the plate. You be the guy that, that takes uh, the position that, that uh, I'm leaving behind, uh, that you're filling. You, be, you show yourself a man before the people of Israel. And you walk in the statutes of God. You do what, you do what God commanded me to do. And, uh, and, and, and remember to keep His statutes and to keep His commandments and to keep His judgments and to keep His testimonies. Now, sounds a little hollow when you begin to think about the fact that David himself faltered in some of these areas. But this is important. <clears throat> How can David do what he did? and yet be called a man after God's own heart? Well, the reason is because the one thing that David never did do, even though he faltered and sinned and scandalized his own kingdom and in a step of pride numbered the people and other things in his life, even though he did those things, the one thing that David never did was David never turned his eyes and his heart from the true and living God. You won't find David bowing down before a, uh, an idol. You won't find David worshiping at the altar of Molech. You won't find, you won't find David uh, uh, going to meetings where Chemosh is, is worshipped. You, you won't find David, the one thing David always did, even in the worst times of his life, David, David always recognized that God was the Lord. That relationship had been formed in the backfields of Bethlehem as he watched his sheep at night and a lion and a bear came along and, and was going to take the sheep and yet the Lord God gave David strength and David won a victory over both of those animals and he, and he knew that God's power and God's strength was available to him and then he wades down into the valley of Elah and he faces a giant that every other soldier in the Israeli army was afraid to face and David wades into that valley and he faces the giant and he says to the giant quite frankly, he said, look, I know how you're coming to me you're coming to me with, with, you've got your shield and you've got your armor and you've got all of your talk, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And I am here that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David knew the Lord and he never turned from the Lord, okay? 
That's the key. Why was David a man after God's own heart, even though he was a sinful man after God's own heart? Because David's heart never turned toward any other God for worship. And when he sinned, he repented before the true God in, the, uh, uh, in our Lord. So it's, 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 it's excellent advice. But Solomon, he knew where he had come from. He knew his mama was Bathsheba. He heard the scandal. He heard the rumors. And, and, and it was perhaps maybe a, a little bit difficult as Solomon listened to his dad and listened to those closing, um, uh, that closing challenge. Maybe it was a little difficult for Solomon um, to not see the hollowness in some of that advice. But I want you to listen to me carefully. I want every, I want you, I'm sure I always remember this. We, we're adults, but we're children uh, and especially as long as our parents are on theirs. Can I remind you of this? There's nobody that ever had a perfect daddy. There's nobody ever had a perfect mother. There's nobody whose parent was ever perfect. And, and, and I'll just, I will just promise you this. If you judge your children harshly, they'll come, uh, if you judge your parents harshly, there'll come a time when your children will judge you harshly. And so remember this. Remember this, that, that, that none of us are perfect, and if you look at your parents long and hard enough, you'll find flaws in them, okay? My kids can certainly find them in me. And if they can't find any, if they'll talk with my wife, she'll give them a, 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 an outline. And, uh, and look, we're, listen, we're, we're all flawed human beings. Every one of us are flawed. And some of you got little children, young children. As your kids get older, they'll begin to see the flaws in you. My dad wasn't a perfect man, but he was the greatest man I ever knew. And, and my mom, my mom wasn't always perfect. That's hard to say because she really was, but I'm just using this as an illustration tonight. The reality of the matter is simply this. Nobody's perfect. And so here's Solomon looking at a dad that had royally messed up. And in fact, had dad not royally messed up, guess what? Solomon wouldn't even be on the earth. But now God is taking the messed up, the messed up scandal that his father left behind and through that, only God can get something good. And it is through Solomon that the Messiah will come. So even though we come from flawed lineage, okay? I heard somebody say one time, we, we didn't evolve. I had ancestors that hung by their neck, but not by their tail, okay? So we didn't come from monkeys. We came from outlaws maybe, all right? Maybe you had a granddaddy that was a moonshiner if you came from the deep south in Tennessee. Every now and then back in the backwoods and swamp of Georgia, they'll still find the still out there somewhere. And uh, since Brother Mark moved here to Idaho, they've cut down on that drastically. But uh, anyhow, I'm just telling you, listen to me. No, look at me. If you look long and hard enough, you can find, listen, you can find resentment in any relationship in your life. Because every relationship on both sides has a sinner involved. And so, so Solomon hears the, he hears it, and, and, and then David dies, and Solomon assumes, assumes the throne. Now, wait a minute. I, I'm not, I don't have time to go into all this, but, but after Solomon steps on the throne, from his conversation, if you read, read through the rest of that chapter, David's giving him some advice, and he said, the, the, dude, this, guy, this guy's going to be a threat to your kingdom. So after David dies, there is a small series of political assassinations, okay, to clear the path and to exterminate the threats 
uh, and to remove people like Joab, who had been a, a, a deep uh, thorn in David's side. And, and, and so it sort of clears the way for Solomon's reign and the disloyal people like Abathar the priest and, and uh, those that were disruptive to the kingdom like Joab are removed. Now, once they're removed, then Solomon becomes established, and even his, even his half-brother Adonijah, who, who tried to swindle the kingdom out, uh, he, 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 continues his, he continues his underhanded, uh, you know, uh, intrigue, and Solomon finds out about it and sends him on to heaven to meet the Lord. And so um, there, there, uh, there we find Solomon now upon the throne, and his kingdom has been established. Now, there's some lessons that we're going to learn here. So, so what this book does is it, it transitions us. Okay, remember, remember 1 Samuel, and, and, and remember that it began with Eli, and then we've got Saul, who's paranoid, and, and then Samuel, of course, is on the scene there from the early chapters, and, and he overlaps with Saul, and then Saul overlaps with David, and, 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 then, and then we see David into uh, 2 Samuel, and now the transition is made uh, into the book of 1 Kings, and David dies, and now we've transitioned into Solomon, okay? And now Solomon sits firmly upon the throne of Israel as their king. Now, look with me in, again in chapter 3. Could you do that for me? Verse 2. Let's, let's read it again. Just, just follow me. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. Verse 3 and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in his statues, uh, the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So here's the first lesson I want you to get. Everybody ready? Everybody with me? Okay, here we go. First lesson from the book of First Kings that I want you to get is simply this. Listen carefully. Doing the right thing the wrong way is the wrong way to do the right thing. Okay? Did you get that? Thank you. All right, here we go. Look at me. Doing the right thing the wrong way is the wrong way to do the right thing. And if you understood what I just said, explain it to me later because I have no idea. No, really, look at me. Doing the right thing the wrong way is the wrong way to try to do the right thing. So here you've got a group of people together, and, and, and immediately we're going to find a contrast. Notice that word there. Notice that word there only, okay? It begins, it begins verse number Two, only the people sacrificed. Now drop all the way down to the end of verse 3, talking about Solomon. It says, only he sacrificed unto and burnt incense in high places. Now, here we find the people sacrificing to the Lord. Okay? That's, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. Is it a good thing? Okay, you're just staring at me. I didn't know if you were with me or had, had, had fallen asleep. All right, here we go. So that's a good thing, all right? Now, you've got Solomon, the king. Guess what he's doing? He's sacrificing unto the Lord and offering burnt sacrifices also. That's a good thing, right? So we've got two good things going on. All right, it's, it's, it's great that both of them are doing that. But the word only there, draw a circle around it. If you've got a yellow highlighter, highlight it. Put a star out beside it and an arrow and anything else that might draw it out for you, because you need to pay attention to that word, okay? It, it begins verse number 2, only the people sacrificed in high places. 
the end of verse 3, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. The word only there is there to introduce to us a contrast, okay? I could say, you know, I could say, Canyon's my buddy, I love Canyon, and then I say, but Canyon cut the tires on my motorcycle, okay? That's trouble right there, right off the bat. He's going to jail. Now look at me. The word but for us, that, that's, a, that's a distinction. So, so that's what that word only is. He, he, these people, they were, they were worshiping God only, contrast following, only, pay attention. Okay, here's what they did, but, but only they did it the wrong way. That's, that's what that verse is saying. They, they did the right thing, but they, they did it the wrong way. We're being told that there's an exception. So, so here's what they did. They did this right and this right and this right. And what did Solomon do? He did this right, this right, and this right, except there's an exception following. And the tragic thing in so many of our lives is that we have exceptions in our life. We'll serve God. We'll love God. We'll, we'll do for God so many, so many times, except when families visit us, except when it's not convenient, except when we have something else to do, except when there's something that, 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 that really draws our attention. And, and, and so what happens is there's an only in our life. There's a contrast in our life. He loves the Lord, but there's an exception to that. He's faithful to church, but there's an exception to that. He reads his Bible, but there's an exception to that. He witnesses to people, but there's an exception to that. He has a heart for God, but there's an exception to that. That's exactly what that is teaching us. Now, strange, all right, look at it again. So, so what did they do? The people sacrificed in high places, okay? Verse 2, and what did Solomon do? Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. They were doing the right thing, but they were doing it in the wrong way, and, they, and the exception was, even though they're sacrificing to God, they're not doing it in the right place, in the right way. What was a high place? A high place was an elevated anything, okay? Sometimes it was a hill, particularly with a grove of trees on top. They would trim everything else around the hill, and they would leave this grove of trees like it was some sort of a, a, a natural cathedral that was built there. Within those trees, they would place an idol or, or symbols that, that dealt with the gods at that time they were worshiping. It may have been a god of you know, the stars or the fertility god, Diana, or whatever, whoever they were worshiping. And so the pagans of these communities would oftentimes leave the city and they would go out to these high places amongst the groves of the trees and there they felt closer to God and we're not talking about big G God, we're talking about little G God and they would offer their sacrifices there and they would have their illicit worship services there oftentimes and that's where, the, that's where they would worship. Now, in, in more highly civilized places where maybe a lot of these weren't available, they would build what was called a ziggurat. Okay, now that's not something that you smoke, okay? So let's, let's get that squared away, all right? They would build a ziggurat 
and it would be a series of it would be a series of steps that would lead you up to a higher platform and from that platform supposedly you were able to worship God better there because it was it was like a, a, a mini tower of Babel that brought you from here and brought you elevated you up and these people felt that they were that, that, that they were closer to God now go to go to the book of Deuteronomy everybody with me Deuteronomy chapter 12 Deuteronomy chapter 12 all right if you got your Bible turn there I want you to see this Deuteronomy chapter 12 let's find out what God says in advance of all this that's happening all right so Deuteronomy chapter 12, look with me in verse 2. Here's God. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess served their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire you shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. In other words, you shall not do so unto the Lord your God. What does that mean? You won't worship me there. You cut the groves down. You tear the high places off the hills. You get rid of their worship places. Get rid of their names. No, no, no. You're not going to do that to me. Don't you worship me there. That's not my house. That's not where you're to worship me. And, and, and then he says in verse 5, But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither shalt thou come, and thither shalt thou bring thy burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your, uh, of your flocks. So this is what God said to them. God said, listen to me. And he repeats it in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17. He says this. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to choose where you worship me. I'm going to choose where you sacrifice to me. And here's what I want you to do. When you got a sacrifice, I want you to bring it to the tabernacle. Okay? No, no. Don't you, don't you climb on a hill. Don't you go up to that grove. Don't you, don't, don't, you, don't you find the place where the heathen worship their false gods. I'm not going to receive from you that kind of worship. That's not my house. That's not my place. That's not my name. When you, you tear those down, you obliterate them, wipe the earth of them, and you worship me my way. Okay, that's what God had commanded them to do. Look at me. Man wasn't free to worship God any way he chose. That, that's not up to man. man. Man doesn't have the authority to say, I don't know. I, I like this better. It don't matter what you like. Well, this appeals to me to more. It don't matter what appeals to you more. It doesn't matter. What matters is, thus saith the Lord your God. And so the worship of our Heavenly Father, the worship of our Heavenly Father is a good thing, and it's a right thing, but it must be done God's way in order to be the best way, okay? Now, it seems to me, does it not to you, that somebody somewhere forgot the instruction book, okay? They forgot it because, because here we are in, in 1 Kings in chapter 3 and Solomon is, is sacrificing yeah, up in the high places. He didn't tear them down. And wait a minute. 
And the people were doing the same thing. They, they, didn't, they, they didn't tear them down. So it seems to me that, that somehow they forgot the instruction book. Now, I don't have time, but if we just turn around and, and run in reverse, let's go backwards. All right, let's just keep going backwards. Guess what we bump into? We bump into the book of Judges. Where what happened? Every man did that was right in whose eyes? His own eyes. And we got a mess in the book of Judges. And from the book of Judges, we stumble into, you know, we stumble into uh, 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 1 Samuel and Eli. Man, he had boys that were vile. I mean, it's, it's a mess if you think about it. And, and remember, remember the last, the last uh, what was it, four or five chapters of Judges? How that after Samson died... Men alive, it was with, with the tribe of Dan, it was one problem after another problem. They were slaughtering people and worshiping false gods and, you know, false priests in the households. It was an absolute mess. So here's, here, here's, a, here's a mess. Wait a minute. And, 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 and remember, that, remember that there, even before that, there was a generation that arose after Joshua that knew not the Lord. And then you've got the judges. And then you've got Eli. And then you've got Saul. Man, it's a mess going on. So by the time you get to Solomon, guess what? Somebody done lost the instruction book. They're not teaching it to their children. Sounds good to them. Well, well we don't. It says it clearly right there. Nobody built the house yet. Solomon's building his house, but he ain't built a house to God yet. And so you know what? Come on, guys. Look, the tabernacle's old. Why don't we just, let, let's, come on, let, let's just figure this thing out, all right? Tabernacles, tabernacles hole, and, and we don't have a permanent building yet to God. We're going to do that. We, we, our intentions are right. We're going to do that. We're going to get that done. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just do what's easiest, and why don't we climb the hill and take our sacrifice and sacrifice? Altar's already up there. Rather than tear it down, why don't we use it? And so it's human reasoning. That's gotten us in more trouble than anything you can shake a stick at is when man tries to figure things out himself, when God's already given, God's already given his commandments on, on, on what we're to do. Now, so, so think with me for just a moment, all right? What did God do, okay? Everybody with me? Don't, please don't look at Dixie, look at me, all right? Don't make me throw my daughter out of class. Play attention, all right? Watch me. Look at me. Look at me. What did God do? You know what God did? He allowed their ignorance. Somebody fumbled the ball. People are worshiping on a high place. Solomon's worshiping on a high place. God knows, God knows that their intentions are right, but that what they're doing are wrong. And so you know what God does? God sort of lets them find out themselves. Well, how did they find out? Well, first of all, it caused them to resort to the idolatry that was once worshipped there. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 32, everybody. Jeremiah chapter 32. So God just said this, look, I told you not to do it that way, but if you want to try doing it that way, whether it's out of ignorance or just stupidity, help yourself, and you're going to find out why I told you not to do it that way. So what did they do? They worshipped in the high places. What did that do for them? It caused them to fall into the very idolatry that at one time was worshipped in those high places. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 35. 
And they built high places. They built the high places of Baal. Wait, wait a minute. Ho, 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 ho. They did what? They built them. They were worshiping the high places. Now, now they're, not, they're not destroying them. And they're not using them for the Lord. Who are they using them for? Baal. Look at that again. Chapter 32, verse 35. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came I into my, it came into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. I want everybody to look at me. I want you to look at me listen to me carefully. This is vitally important. Anytime you put spirituality with carnality, the spirit is meek, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, okay? That's the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit of the flesh? It's carnality, sinfulness. Listen to me. If, if, that's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says, come out from among them. Why? Because you're not going to help them, they're going to taint you. That's why evil communications corrupt good manners. Well, well, why can't good manners help evil communications? Because that's not the nature of the two natures. Okay? Carnality always bullies spirituality. And so, so God says don't go into business with people that are, that are carnal and lost. Don't, don't, don't go into marriage with people that are carnal. Don't, don't do that. Why? Because, because by the very nature of the flesh, by the very nature of the flesh, it often wins the battle over the spirit because the spirit is kind, the spirit is love, the flesh is envy, the flesh is strife, you see. And so here are these people, they're up on a hill and they're worshiping God in, in, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. And you know what? They really mean well, but go down the road a little ways. Who won out? Baal did. And now in these very places... They're building more altars to Baal and they're sacrificing their children to him. So many times I've seen parents just make a slip and say, hey. we just look, Pastor, we're just not going to make a big issue of this. Okay, but I'm, I'm just telling you something. I, I know your motive is right. I know it's good, but it ain't going to turn out good because the flesh always comes out on top. Second thing that it did is it destroyed the unity of the nation by establishing more than one central place to worship. So rather than them coming to where God told them to worship, now they're worshiping on hills. Okay, so they got a, they got a grove over there and they got a high place over here. And so now they're worshiping in other places. Okay, there's no longer a central place. Well, what does that do for them? Well, what it does for them is down the road a little ways, Jeroboam... After Solomon, after the kingdom, it, it, Solomon dies, what happens is Jeroboam rises up and, 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 and Jeroboam builds two golden calves and he puts one in Dan and one in Beersheba so that the people won't go to Jerusalem. So now you got people worshiping in Jerusalem where they're supposed to worship, but then you got two people with two altars in two different places, Dan and Beersheba, and they're worshiping the golden calf. Hear, O Israel, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. No, they're not. That's a false god. But the people by that time had, be, had gotten used to split worship. They'd gotten used to worshiping God in another way other than the way that God had commanded them. 
And so doing the right thing God's way is always the right way. And by the way, that's why when, when over 16 years ago, when we planted this church, I said from the pulpit that our, our sole authority for faith and practice would be the Word of God. That's it. <clears throat> um, you know, what's your five-year plan? I heard a guy today at, at this meeting who was talking to the, the young guys, and he laughed his head off. He said, yeah, come out to the West with a five-year plan. He said, I'm in my 15th year of my five-year plan. You see, that, that, no, the just shall live by faith. And I'm not saying that you go haphazardly with it, but I'm just going to tell you right now, you know, five-year plans, no. What's your mission statement? All right, here it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be what God wants me to be, trying to serve God the way God wants me to serve Him. I, I, I want next year to be closer to God than I am this year. I want next week, I want to re be reading my Bible. Next month, I want to be reading my Bible. The year after that, I want to be serving God. I want to witness to people. I want to tell them about Jesus. I want, to, I, I, I want our service to be spirit-filled. I, I, I want our life to be in line with Him. I'm, I'm just simply saying that, that, that this book, this is, this is the thing. We, we, we have young men coming out of our Bible colleges and they're trying to be polished and they're trying to be professional. When it's not the plan, it's not the program, it's not the polish, it is the God of the Bible. That's, that makes the difference in our life and it makes a difference in our churches. A lot of young guys are coming out and they're throwing a plan into place and they're quitting and going home because the plan don't work. Because people are sinners and Satan's alive and well and you trust a plan, then, then you've got nothing eternal behind you. Let me say number two, all right, ready for this? Lesson number two that I draw from this book and that is simply this, love is not enough. Okay, lesson number two, love is not enough. Look in verse three, chapter three, first Kings. And Solomon did what? Wow. Hey, he's got it, man. I mean, it's, look, Solomon, and Solomon loved the Lord. Well, what more do you need to say? I mean, what, come on, guys. He loved the Lord. I mean, there, I, what more can you do? Well, Solomon loved the Lord. Wait a minute. Not only that, guess what he did? He walked in the statutes of his daddy. Only. Contrast. Only. Exception. Only he did love the Lord. He did walk in the things his daddy taught him, but there was an exception. The exception was that he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. So we're told three things. Number one, he loved the Lord. Number two, he obeyed his daddy. Number three, he made an exception to both what his daddy taught him and his love for the Lord in that he offered sacrifices in the high places and so there's the, there's the contrast given us in the life of Samson. He loved the Lord, but there was an exception. Wait a minute. So what does that mean? Love's not enough. Love's not enough. People, people today excuse their disobedience. And you know what they say? They say, well, I love the Lord. Pastor, you know what? He, he loves the Lord. Come on, he loves the Lord. Boy, everybody loves the Lord. You'd think the devil loved the Lord today. I mean, 
You got people cussing up a blue streak, but you know what? They love the Lord. You got people getting drunk on Friday night, but you know what? In our day and age, hey, listen to me, they love the Lord. You got people smoking dope, but guess what? They still love the Lord even though they're smoking dope. I mean, they're living, they're, they're, they're living a, their life is a mess. They have no moral boundaries and no moral fiber, but I got some good news for you. They love the Lord. I mean, it's a wretched testimony in Hollywood, but all they got to, you know what? It's, Facebook is hysterical to me because somebody will say, um, the man upstairs was good to me. And Facebook explodes about Christian. Did you, did you read what he said? The, the man upstairs was good to him. He's born again. Really? I mean, really? He said God or Lord? And that all of a sudden makes him, no, that don't make him a Christian. Listen to me. You must be born of what? Again. You've got to be born again. And so, and so the reality of the matter is, is, is people say, well, you know, um, he, he loves the Lord, but look at me. Love is not enough. Solomon loved the Lord only. He wouldn't obey him. Yeah, he loved him. But that's not enough. He wouldn't obey him because he offered sacrifices where pagan gods were worshipped. And God had an issue with that. Let's let Jesus talk. Could we do that? Okay, well, this is a great crowd tonight. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Watch this. Here's what Jesus said. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. I said, okay, that's pretty narrow. Why, why are you asking me? Why would you ask me that? Because saying Lord, Lord and disobeying me really don't go together. That's what Jesus is, is suggesting here. John chapter 14, verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do what? Okay, let's read that again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that, he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Judas, not Iscariot, saith unto him, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus said, verse 23, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Wow. Okay, how many of you struggle with that? Come on, be honest. How many of you have had problems? Keep, yeah, I, I do. Sure, I do. Jesus isn't driving us here for perfection, nor is he saying, since you slipped up, you don't love me. No, Jesus is finding out the motivation of our life. If you love me, your concern is going to be keeping my word. You're, you're, look, you're, he's not saying we won't fumble and, and falter. and He's not saying we, we don't have flaws. Jesus is saying... The, the, the goal of your life will be obedience because love without obedience is nothing, you see. So, so if, a, if a man love me, he'll keep my words. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Wow, that's hard. No, that's hard stuff. You said, let me tell you who doesn't love me. The guy that doesn't love me is the guy that doesn't keep my commandments. He's not interested. He's not, he not interested. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful unto every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Look at me. Can I tell you who you're supposed to be pleasing? It's not the man in the mirror. It's not your neighbor. It's him. Your life is to be lived in such a manner that pleases God. That just pleases the Lord. We can't sing, oh, how I love Jesus and leave church and go out and live for self because love isn't enough. God wants you to obey Him. So yeah, Solomon loved the Lord. Only he sacrificed and offered burnt offerings in the high places. I wonder what the only of my life would be. Yeah, Dean loves the Lord. Only he... Yeah, they love the Lord. Only they... Yeah, that guy, yes, that lady, yeah, they, yeah, they love the Lord, only there's an exception. Let me ask you this question. What's the exception in your life? Lesson number three. Ready for this? 5,280 equals one. Now, I've told you before that my favorite subject was history and that I struggle with math. And you're thinking, dude, I can see that now. Okay, so I understand. No, 5,280 equals 1. Look with me in, in chapter 3, verse 1. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now watch these next words. And took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Now we got a, we got a problem right here. Yeah. It's trouble in River City. Okay, here we go. It's a little flashback. Sorry, here we go. Watch me. Look at me. So here, here is, here's a guy and he decides that he's going to go down to the capital of paganism. He's going into the palace of a guy who has a God complex himself because the pharaohs thought themselves to be deity. So, 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 he, so here's, here, here's, here's um, a, a man-god. Here, here's a guy that when he assumed the throne of Pharaoh, all of a sudden he becomes deity. So this guy now thinks he's God. Well, he's going to marry the daughter of a little g-god. That's what Pharaoh thinks he is. So he takes said daughter of little g-god home and makes a wife out of her. Now let me help you with this. Guess who she doesn't know? She don't know the Lord. She don't know anything about the tabernacle. She don't know nothing about worship. She ain't read Moses. She don't know nothing about the book of Deuteronomy. She hadn't heard nothing about the high places. I'll tell you something. She, listen, she, doesn't, she doesn't know much of anything going on there just that this guy, this guy is his, his, I mean, he's, he's really, I mean, he's wealthy, he's, he's, he's on a throne, he's a king. And Solomon and Pharaoh made affinity. He connected with the world. Now watch this. It was after he brings her home that the Bible says he worships in the high places. So the first step down the first step down was he married. Remember Samson? What did Samson do? What did Samson do in chapter, chapter number? He was born in chapter 13. And in chapter 14, first thing we find Samson doing, Samson goes down to Timnath. Dude, he's in trouble. It's downhill. Listen, 
it is spiraling downhill until you find him buried beneath the rubble of, 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 uh, the, of Dagon's temple. So here's Samson, I mean, I mean here's Solomon, and Solomon says, hey, what I'm going to do, I'm going down to Egypt, I'm going to marry a little G, God's daughter. And so he does. And then the next thing that we find is we find him worshiping God where idols were once worshiped. So do you see what I'm saying? Step one, bad marriage. Step two, bad worship. Well, okay. That, that was a mistake. No, it don't end there. And I want to say this to you, it never does. I'm going to say it one more time. Throw a rock into the middle of the pond after the rock has long set on the bottom the ripple effects still cover the pond. Long after the rock moves no more, the ripple effects are reaching way out. And sin is never neat. And sin is never captured and encapsulated and controlled. That never happens. What happens is, once that thing happens, you cannot control the ripple effects and the collateral damage and the consequences of your choice. And it reaches families and it breaks hearts and it severs lives and it destroys people far beyond anything that you would have possibly imagined when you made that bad choice. So here's Solomon. Here is Solomon. All he's going to do is go to Egypt and marry the good-looking daughter of Pharaoh. And the next thing we find, he's worshiping in the high places. Now, let's just hit the pedal and, and speed ahead to chapter number 11. Would you turn there, 1 Kings chapter 11? Let's find out what happens as this thing goes downhill out of control. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, but King Solomon loved a strange woman, the daughter of Pharaoh, and made a mistake. No, uh-uh, it ain't stopped there. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their God. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Watch this. You want to get stunned? Look at this. And, and for it came to pass, verse 4, when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other little g gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord as God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. For Sol and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. And then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and Molech, the abomination of the children of, of, of Ammon, and likewise he did for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrifice unto their gods. So what's with the weird math, preacher? 5,280 5, equals one. Well, that's how many feet there are in a mile. And you just put one foot in front of the other. And you know what's going to happen? Sooner or later, you're going to have gone 5,280 feet one mile 
away from where you began. See, it's never overnight. It's just not boom. Well, what happened to him? I don't know. He was here yesterday. Look at him. Where he said, no, no, no. You know what happens? It's one step after another. It's one little bit after another. And here's Solomon. He takes the daughter. Here's Solomon. He worships in the high places. All of a sudden, after time goes on, and, 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 you know, we find him now all of a sudden. He, he's got many strange wives. 700, 300 concubines. He is worshiping two false gods and, and, and builds, he actually builds temples to false gods. This is the man that the Bible said just a few chapters earlier, and Solomon loved the Lord. Yeah, he loved him, but he didn't obey him. And his disobedience brought him to a place that was an absolute mess. Last of all, and I'm going to close, is this. Last lesson. Ready? Wisdom without character is useless. Because here's what happens. He marries, he marries Pharaoh's daughter. They worship in high places. And then God, what, what does God do? God comes down and says, all right, now look. I'm going to give you a choice. I mean, this, what do you want? What do you want from me? Have you ever thought about how you would answer that? What would you say? If God said, what do you want from me? Tell me what you want from me. I'll give it to you. Solomon said, I want understanding. I want to be able to discern between what's right and wrong. We call it wisdom. And so God said, because you didn't ask for wealth or fame or military strength. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you that and more. And so God grants to him, God grants to him that, that wisdom, that ability to discern between what's right and what's wrong. And so Solomon knew exactly what he should have done. But eight chapters later, we read this verse. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. You know why? Because Solomon had wisdom, but he didn't have character. Solomon knew what was right, and Solomon knew what was wrong, but knowing what's right isn't doing what's right. Let me say that again. Knowing what's right isn't doing what's right. You, you ever met somebody that, that tried to really uh, maybe uh, Im impress you with, with um, uh, how much Bible knowledge they have? They're always quoting the scripture. Always quoting the scripture. Early in my ministry, there was a guy that lived in the town where I pastored, and he visited my church a couple of times. He was always quoting. He, he always said, "Preacher, the good book." Preacher, preacher. I was just a young guy now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 22 years old, 23. Preacher, the good book. He's always quoting this stuff. One day I was riding down a highway outside of Jessup, Georgia, and a guy comes running onto my side of the road, runs me off the road, runs another car that a lady was in down into the ditch, jumps the median in the middle of the road, jumps the curb out into the Kmart parking lot, and T-bones into a car. Somebody had been in his way that would have killed him. 
So I just thought to myself, citizens arrest, Barney Five, here I go. So I spun my car around and took off after him. I pulled up to him, put my car in park, walked over to his car, grabbed the door handle, snatched the door open, and was going to say, dude, you give me your keys till the police get here. And I snatched the door open, and guess who was looking at me? Preacher of the good book says. Police pulled up. They got him out. They tried to make him walk a straight line. He couldn't walk a crooked line. I mean, he couldn't even walk hardly. You know what he's doing to the policeman? He's quoting scripture to him. So I just said to him, man, shut that up. Nobody wants to hear the Bible from you. About two months later, he was in his house. House caught on fire. He was in a wheelchair by that time. He couldn't get the wheelchair out of the house and he burned alive, stuck in his own doorway. Tragic, tragic life of somebody that, 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 that lived in absolute faith. You ever met somebody that tried to impress you with their knowledge of the Bible? Can I tell you something? Knowledge without the character to do right, knowledge of doing right does you no good whatsoever. It cost him his close fellowship with God. Chapter 11, verse 9, if you keep reading, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Can you imagine that? God came to him twice. And Solomon said, I, eh, I've been close to the Lord, but that don't mean nothing to me right now. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And God was angry with him. Not only that, but it divided his nation into two kingdoms. Because he had a divided heart, God divided Israel after him. And one, half, uh, 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 one tribe went to his son Rehoboam, and everything else went to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat that caused Israel to sin. And the ripple effects are seen for generations. Look at me. We basically, we've basically stayed in one chapter with one man. But if you want to start in chapter 3 and just read to the back of 1 Kings, and, and, and actually as we go into 2 you want to read it? It's a mess. You know where the mess began? The mess began when Solomon went up and took the wife, uh, the, the daughter of Pharaoh to wife, worshipped in the high places, and it spiraled down. And listen to me, with, with few exceptions, with few exceptions, Israel is in a moral, deplorable mess from that time on until, until both Judah and Israel were hauled away um, uh, and, and taken captive. Just a mess. So the reality is that ripple effects are, are seen literally for generations. Now, now here's the thing. We don't know... We don't know, <clears throat> you, you don't know the effect of your, your influence for God. Okay. Every now and then, something will come my way and somebody will reach out from my past and say, hey, I started to say little girl, she's not a little girl anymore. She's a grown woman, got a family, beautiful family, couple of kids. She made a statement, asked somebody to pray for her. She's going into surgery, and I hadn't heard from her in years and had even forgotten, to be honest with you. But I made a comment to her, and she said, Brother Herring, you led me to Christ. You led me to Christ in Bible, after Bible class one day at school. 
you shared the gospel with me and I got saved. And she said, I want you to know that I'm eternally grateful. Listen to me, you have no idea if you'll just live for the Lord how God will use that. But I want to tell you something else. You live for self, you have no idea how long that impact will be on generations and generations and generations. Like Father, read, read, read it, underline it. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord like his father. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord like his father over and over and over again. It's like a, it's like a tragic chain linking people to nothingness and sinfulness. It began with Solomon. Powerful book. The wisest man that ever lived. And he blew it royally. Father, help us, I pray, bless us, use us for your glory and your honor. We thank you for your love for us. Speak to our hearts, dear Jesus, I pray. And uh, help us to make good decisions. And help us to realize love's not enough. We need to obey. And, and that we don't get where we're going overnight. It's just a bunch of steps in the right or the wrong direction, Lord, I pray. Help us not to do the right thing the wrong way. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.